0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode seven of Between Whiskey and Pneumonia. Drew Shapiro here with my co-host Nick Hatt. Happy to be joined today by Matt Smith, founder of Brave American, uh, entrepreneur since you're 18 years old, Uh, been doing your own thing for a long time. And uh, we're happy to have you here today and hear about how you got to where you are.
1: Yeah, man, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about you know, Brave American and, you know, it's a a veteran um, oriented company. You guys are are very focused on supporting veterans. Love hearing that. You know, can you tell us a little bit more about what you got going on?
1: Yeah. So we, uh, we're an e-commerce brand uh, in the Brighton area. Um, Right now we occupy a 12,000 square foot building and we have about 15 veteran employees on staff. Uh, we're 100% veteran employed, which is really cool. And we manufacture um, like wooden home decor, wall art. So wooden American flags, um, anything patriotic you can think of. Uh, we also sell a lot of apparel. Um, and so we started that a couple of years ago with just kind of the mission in mind that we wanted to hire veterans and get back to veterans. And uh, it's it's been a, a good thing. That's awesome. I love hearing that. And I
0: think so many people in today's world kind of latch on to that. That veteran cause. And there's sure. a lot of people that try to identify with that, that don't necessarily back it up. But yep. I know you guys do. So checking out on your website, there's a percentage of your profits that you, you know,
1: give back to veterans. And it's like, you guys walk the walk and talk the talk. and all Yeah. That, so, yeah, we've learned that kind of being inside of that space now. Like a lot of people are skeptical when you're like, Oh, everything's veteran made or, yeah. or we get back to veterans or whatever. Um, but I think we've done a really good job of, of kind of proving that. Um, literally, I mean, Growing the company, we didn't know if we'd be able to be 100% veteran employed. We didn't know how hard it would be to find people, but it's been super easy for us. Um, they just all love to work together. Um, they kind of makes them feel like they're back in the military. And, and so it's cool to be able to say literally every single product that ships out of our building was touched by a veteran. So um, yeah, it's the real deal. It's been good. That's awesome.
0: Now, uh, when did you guys start the company? Uh,
1: we started in April of 2019, uh, but we really didn't get rolling until like January 2020. You,
2: you started during COVID?
1: Uh, so we started just before COVID. Uh, my partner and I, so I'll, I'll kind of go in the backstory of how, how it happened. We owned a marketing agency um, helping home service businesses all across the country, um, you know, advertise on Facebook and that kind of right. stuff. So long care guys, window cleaner guys, that kind of stuff. Um, and a buddy of mine who's a veteran made me this ginormous wooden flag that was on our wall. And every time someone would come into our office, they'd be like, oh, where'd you get that? How much was it? How do I get one? And I'm like, dude, I think we could sell these things online. And so we reached out to the guy who built it for me, who's a veteran. I'm like, Hey, if, if we were to sell these, would you want to, to make them for us? And he's like, yeah, I'll give it a go. And he owned a, a wood shop cabinet shop. So he was doing some other stuff. Um, so we started April of 19 and by January, 2020, he called us one day. He's like, like, I, I can't, I can't keep up with this. So I kind of have to make my business a priority. So Mitch and I had to make a decision at that point. Like, do we go learn how to manufacture something on our own? Like, we're just not the most handy guys, but can we, can we figure it out and get our own shop, that kind of thing. And so it was either that or just keep the business super small. And so we hired our first employee in 2020 in January, got a, I think it was around 4,500, uh, 4,500 square foot shop. Um, And then we just started going crazy. And then that's when COVID hit. So we get all of our equipment in there. Um, It's me, Mitch, one other guy and COVID hits. We're like, oh crap. Like, you know, everyone. Everyone's closing doors and, oh, yeah. um, but it was actually the opposite for us. Cause now that nobody was working, they were just sitting on their phones yeah, at home. Right. And so they saw our ads on Facebook and we went from like zero to 4.5 million that year. Um, wow. which was wild. So we went from having one employee, uh, upwards at our highest, we've been up to close to 25 that year. Um, and then we kind of systemized things a little better and trickled it back down a little bit.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Nice.
1: That yeah, was wild. Yeah. <laughs> it was a crazy year. Good for you. That's phenomenal.
0: And, uh, you guys host a podcast as well. or you host a podcast? Yeah.
1: Well? So I have had a podcast for like home service business providers for years now called the service industry podcast. Um, and that was kind of where my entrepreneur journey started was starting a, a pressure cleaning business, um, out of the Linden area. And that's kind of where I learned like a lot of the things that I implemented into brave American, um, just having empo- employees, leadership, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so through that business, going to conventions and all these other things, I met, I met guys in our industry all over the country and, um, found out fairly quickly that our business was growing a lot faster than most other guys. And so they started asking for, you know, marketing advice or, Hey, can you run my Facebook ad since yours are doing so good or that kind of stuff. And so, um, that's kind of how that podcast became something. Cause I was like, I have information that I could give people that could help them. Um, and so we just, that was just something we did for free just to help people, you know, kind of get started and rolling. That's
0: awesome. I think you get a ton of perspective the more experience you have, right? And oh, yeah. I listened to uh, your last episode about, you know, what to do if there is a recession or yeah. if there's going to be a recession. You know, Nick and I talk about this stuff all the time. It's like, hey, we kind of have seen this before in, you know, 07, 08. Yep. And if you're looking at it from uh, a perspective of having some experience, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to be had. So for sure. The reason I wanted to ask about that is, you know, going back to when you started, brave American and kind of coinciding right with the beginning of the pandemic and everything shutting down is, yep. you know, what uh, were some of the challenges you faced with that, but uh, obvious, obvious challenges, but what were some of the opportunities as well that it created? Like you said, people on uh, their phones at home, not out as much.
1: Yep. Um, the, the cool thing about the pandemic, like I said, everyone's on their phone and it was just like, it didn't matter what kind of ad we launched. They all worked. Um, and, I think e-commerce like probably advanced five or 10 years just in that one year, like what it would have taken without the pandemic versus what it's at now. How many people started to learn how to buy things online that weren't typically buying things online? Like Mm -hmm. how many people do you know now that have their groceries delivered every week that didn't before? Right. um, And so kind of that whole thing was a a whole learning curve for us. But in our niche, which is woodworking um, there's a lot of guys that do woodworking, but most of those guys aren't very good at business. Like we were kind of the opposite. Like we didn't really know anything about woodworking, but we were good at the business side and the marketing side. So we just brought people on board that were good at the woodworking. Yeah. I mean, like we implemented a team that was good at the stuff we were bad at. Um, And I think that was the reason we were most successful that year was, was just, we assembled the right team at the right time.
0: Uh, That's phenomenal. I know uh, that seems to go industry wide, you know? Oh yeah. People are either great at one thing and and not great at the other thing. Uh, My dad being a physician has always talked about uh, his experience with physicians being the worst businessmen. Yeah. You know, they all have this huge optimistic side where they'll fall for, you know, every scheme, every yeah. pie in the sky deal. But, um, the realistic uh, grounded stuff just is, is boring and it uh, is, they yeah. might be great physicians, but they're not great, uh, businessmen. So yep. that, that's interesting to hear. Um, you know, what other lessons have you learned, uh, along the way? I'm just really curious about how you've stood out in the industry. You know, I think you hop on Instagram, you see a lot of, you know, different, um, you know, home decor items, concealment cabinets, all sorts of cool stuff. What have you guys done that you think separates you or help you stand out? Yeah, I
1: think like the one thing we did, well, I think we created a good brand for one. Um, we had good designers on our team that, that really created a good brand, good marketing. Um, our apparel is really cool. It's attractive. It's something people want, but, uh, we were willing to just like, we went, we went crazy as far as like, we were all in, like we were really, we were burning the ship. So it was like during that time, things were working. I'm like, let's take this thing as far as we possibly can. And if it fails, we're, we're going to crash, but let's try. Right. And because we kind of just look at our space, we're like, okay, these, this, this guy's a leader in our space or this guy's a leader in our space. I have all the skill sets that guy has or more, or I know what he's doing and I can kind of pick his business apart and figure out how to do it better. And kind of, once we figure out that formula, we're like, now all we have to figure out is how do we scale our products? Because selling them at the point in 2020 wasn't the problem. It was, it was building them because all of our stuff is handmade Um, and so we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on equipment, um, which most people wouldn't be willing to do. We just took a lot of really big risks that year, which I think that year, a lot of companies pulled back and we did the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Um, which is why I talk about a lot. Like if there is a recession, most people's like first thing to do is to stop doing everything that they were doing. Um, when what they need to realize is like when everybody stops doing what they were doing, that's when you should be going 10 times harder because now the market's wide open. Right. And so when all of our advertisers are like, oh, crap, COVID's here, I'm turning my Facebook ads off. I'm like, well, I'm turning mine up. Because now I know I can, I can, I can go find the customers that you would have found. And now they're mine. So that was probably one of the biggest things we did. I think that was probably attributed to the success that year. Now,
0: I love that. I, I refer to it as the law of contrary public opinion. Yeah. You know, if everybody says one thing, I say bet the other way. Right. And I wish I could take credit for that. It's a quote from an obscure movie. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. <laughs> I have no uh, idea. Wait. Glenn <laughs> Gary, Glenn Ross. Has anyone seen that? No. You no. Know, Al Pacino and uh, Alec Baldwin, he gets up there. He's got the set of brass balls. These guys are real <laughs> estate salesmen. You've never seen this? No. no. Never. Al Pacino's given the speech yeah. in the bar about uh, the law of contrary public opinion but it's true kind of like a (laughs) culty uh salesman you know movie like up there with like boiler room but even more obscure yeah yeah. but uh that's one thing that's always stuck with me out of that was the the trueness of the law of contrary public opinion and yep doing the opposite and when everyone else is going nuts if you can remain calm and look for the opportunities yeah i think they just become more clear yeah it's like a huge myth
1: like people think that people to stop spending money in a bad economy. And like the people that are struggling, you know, that are already living paycheck to paycheck prior do, but there's a ton of people out there with a ton of money that don't change their habits. Um, so you just got to find those people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, then the importance of referrals, you know, birds of a feather flag together. Sure. You
0: know, if you identify those people and make that your customer base, they're going to be able to refer you to other successful people who are doing the same thing. Yep. So, yep. I think uh, you touched on that in your last episode of trying to track the the right clientele.
1: Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I think that's any business though. Like uh, in our our pressure cleaning business, we always were striving to go after the higher income type families. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we started that business in 2012, and like times still weren't great then. We didn't have that hard of a time growing the business, and I think it was just because we went after the right customers. Um, you know, if I was going after maybe middle income families, a lot of those people were affected a lot worse than maybe someone who is a little bit higher income, so.
0: Yeah, I think all three of us may have started our business
1: businesses yeah. right around the same time.
0: I, you know, I started in my business in October of 2007. Really oh. interesting time to get into finance. Yeah, tough. So, you know, out of the <laughs> frying pan, into the fire kind yeah. of thing, and that's really shaped my world view and given me a lot of perspective. Yep. I mean, you've got some of these studies done where – you know, by uh, groups like American Funds, and they surveyed different generations and Gen Z. I think recently said that they anticipated their average rate of return, uh, year in and year out until retirement, to be thirty two percent. right? So, just crazy stuff like that. And having a little perspective, having been around a little while, it's interesting. And I think all three of us have been through that and you know, challenging time to start, but I think it pays some some dividends
1: now. And right. you're, you're probably seeing that again now, right? Oh yeah, people are freaking out already. Yeah, and I mean things are changing for sure, and, and even I have no idea what's going to happen, but um, whatever does happen, let's figure it out.
2: Well, I can tell you what there's not. I know there's people. You have said there's people freaking out, but the construction industry is showing no sign of slowing down. I yeah. turn down work every single day. Yeah, every single day. But it's funny, like you said about uh, you're really good at really good at business, but not good at building stuff. Yeah, I was the opposite, and I. Balls to the wall, like you said, Yep, like burning the fucking chips. We're not stopping until yep. it's game over. And yeah, we've, I like that.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, it's not because fun. Because that's
2: the only way to do it, right? Yeah, what else are you going to do? Yeah. yeah.
1: You can't you get plan B, you're going to use it. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to wake up and be excited every day. Right. You know, yep. so if I'm going to build something, I'm going to try to build it as big as I can. Yep. Um, and maybe that doesn't work out every time, I don't know. But it's, it's been working so far.
2: That's good. So what made you start, what made you get into the power washing, the pressure washing?
1: Uh, Yeah, I, I had no money, basically. <laughs> yeah, right, I on. had okay, no money. And um, <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. I got a thousand bucks. What can I do with a thousand bucks? And so I had a buddy in the industry and, you know, back then the numbers he was doing, I was like, dang, dude, I could make that kind of money. All I got to do is go buy a pressure washer from Home Depot or something. So that's literally where I started. I I bought a pressure washer, some window cleaning equipment, uh, from home Depot. And I started making flyers and just putting them on front doors before I know it, like phone call here, phone call there. I'm like, Oh, this is kind of working. I tweaked my flyer a little bit. Oh, that that one worked a little better, you know? And then I start to kind of learn like, Oh, this is the stuff that's working. This isn't working. And then before you know it, you know, you're busy. Right. And you're like upgrading equipment. And so that's just kind of how I get into, I had, I had no money. Um, I didn't go to college. Uh, I didn't have any real skill set, to be honest. Um, so I just kind of figured it out. Like, I, I knew I could work hard. I, you know, I could get dirty. I didn't care. I was willing to do whatever I had to do. And um, you just did what you did with what you had.
2: Nice. I'm I'm actually really intrigued because I've been in business for eight and a half years now. And I just made a Facebook page about three weeks ago. Yeah. I've had no website, no yep. Facebook page, no marketing, no anything. And it kind of seems to me like you're went the other way a lot of marketing a lot of advertising yep um so that's that's interesting
1: yeah that's that's the stuff that's the stuff I'm definitely better at than if you were to say like how do you use this tool or how do you use this pressure washer I'd be like I don't really know (laughs) I don't really know but I can sell a job for you right Right. yeah I mean no kidding so yeah everyone has different strengths I guess no that's awesome that's
2: awesome mine mine is usually all word of mouth yeah we do a lot of commercial work a lot of road work and it's all the contractors that we know is how we network
1: so. yeah that's huge we always yeah. say like uh at our service company like your customer list is everything um, yeah absolutely and so like you know even in a, a bad time we can turn our marketing off but still have thousands of customers that we can just call and, and schedule jobs and, and weather that storm so um yeah customer list is definitely king nice awesome
0: yeah i think the the marketing aspect is super important and the the things that people weren't necessarily doing, especially back in 2007, 2008, yep. as far as social media campaigns and things like that. But, uh, you know, I think word of mouth is always just going to reign supreme, and especially in a world, I think, today that's just so oversaturated
1: Yeah. with, mar- oh, yeah. with marketing.
0: I mean, it's everywhere you go. Yeah. And it's like I, I see things all the time, and I'm like, is this an ad or is this not an ad? You yep. know, I, I can't even tell. So, yeah. you know, having those relationships with people and, and developing um, you know, the the loyalty to what you do and the brand that you're creating. You know, how have you navigated that through e-commerce? And I don't know if you guys have a brick and mortar location or not.
1: No, we don't. We don't. I mean, we do have customers come into our, our warehouse to pick products up here and there, but we don't like sell stuff out of there. Right. So are you still able to create a relationship with those customers
0: where you have them coming back for repeat business? And how do you communicate that, whether it's through the quality of your work or
1: yeah, you know, how you... Um, yeah it's it's a it was a big learning curve for us because you don't physically see your customer like I was used to um, so in the e-commerce space it's all about figuring out like how do I get our mission and our message across to that customer so it's in a clear enough way that they understand who we are and what we're doing um, and not to get like too nerdy or anything but like it all comes in in our back end so let's say someone buys a product from our store um, all the automations for email automations text automations that we have set up on the back end once they make that that purchase, um, tells them our story. And so we basically walk them through a series of emails and text messages that tells them our story. It shows them, you know, video, brave American story videos of, um, veterans in our shop that are telling their, their military stories. And, um, uh, by the end of that, the goal is to make that person a diehard fan of our brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so they keep coming back and talk about us. You know, when, when one of our flags is on somebody's wall, you know, and somebody says, who did they get that from? I want them to remember who it was. And not only that, but I want them to tell that that person all about the business. And so we get that all the time. Like, Oh, a friend of mine has this wooden cross. Mm-hmm. Um, they said you guys employ veterans and blah, blah, blah. And they go to it, you know, our, our, page and buy it. And it's a ton of word of mouth, but it's different because we don't really get to see it. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah. um, so it's definitely not as one-on-one personal as like maybe your industry or even you, you get to, you know, go into people's homes or businesses and, right. um, we do the best we can to relay that message through automations and emails and all that stuff.
0: So that's great. What drew you guys to uh, being
1: veteran oriented? Um, I didn't serve in the military and it was one of my biggest regrets. Uh, it was, would have probably been the best thing I could have ever done coming out of high school. Cause I didn't have a lot of direction. Um, I knew I wanted to work for myself, but I didn't know what that looked like. And I think I probably could have used some structure in my life. Um, all the way through grade school, like I kind of did my own thing. Like I just just barely got by, uh, just got good enough grades just to graduate, kind of thing. Um, because sitting in class, I was always like, even at like a young age, I remember like being in the fifth grade, being like, "How is this ever going to apply to me as an adult?" Right. Which is very strange um, to think about as like a young kid, but I was just like super aware in that aspect, which I think helped me long term, but it hurt me in grade school because it got me to a point where I was like the education system super broken, mm-hmm. and the majority of the things I'm being taught right now are just useless. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, that's kind of a debate, I guess, for a different time, maybe. No, nah,
2: it's not a debate. It's true. <laughs> yeah, no, it true. <laughs> That's why I ran
1: for school board when I was
0: 22 years old right out of college. Yeah. I felt like our generation, I think, you know, we're about the same age. I graduated high school in 06. Yeah, 08. Yeah, yep. so, you know. I feel old. but you know i think all of us were always told hey go to school and get good grades and you know the world's gonna be your oyster and that's all you got to do yeah i saw so many of my friends who succeeded academically be unable to translate that into real world success yeah and i I couldn't agree with you more that that system is flawed and um that's interesting because that you know leads me to my experience as county commissioner you know working with uh the veterans uh at the county level and um there was a point in time where my colleagues on the board of commissioners wanted to take fifty thousand dollars out of a veterans millage fund uh in genesee county and yeah yeah we all pay that and um use it to sponsor the ally challenge uh golf tournament yeah i don't know if you remember this it was no i don't pretty well publicized it was one of like my only highlights of positive (laughs) being elected (laughs) to office and uh it ended up getting passed. Uh, I was the only dissenting vote on the board of commissioners, and they wow. wanted to give take $50,000 out of this millage intended to help uh, veterans and um, the widows, widowers of veterans um, with hardships and take $50,000 out of that fund to spend it on a, a, a tent at this PGA uh, golf outing to give away uh, hot dogs and soda. Just a waste. And I, I'm like, this is so ridiculous. Yeah. This is not what the taxpayers of the county, you know, intended this to be for, you know, and this is not honoring veterans. I yeah. think you're, you're robbing this millage. And um, we ended up getting um, a petition circulated and, you know, tons of signatures within the first uh, couple days of that being launched and ended up having it totally reversed and, you know, telling uh, the LA challenge and the PGA to, you know, Hey, if you want to honor veterans, I think you guys have enough money to figure out how to do that without. Yeah robbing the the taxpayers and the the veterans of this county so it's always been um something i've been passionate about you know not not serving myself either but you know growing up with my grandfather being a world war ii vet and greatest generation and you know all that so um i'd love to see you guys you know backing that up uh, with what you do and what are some of the causes i know you've mentioned gold star families and some of the things that I've read and what are some of the things you've done firsthand?
1: Yeah. So it's so crazy, man, as the business has grown, like we probably get between five and 10 inquiries a day now from people in need. Um, So really what we've been trying to do over the last year is like, it's, it's been easy to give money to an organization, but we're like, you don't really know where it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though like some of the organizations we know are good, you're like, I want to know where that money goes. And so for the last year or so, we've been handpicking individual veterans. Um, we'll run sales to our back end, like our whole customer list. We have 100,000 customers and, and we'll say, hey, on this sale for this specific product, um, X percent is going to this specific person. We can actually show the, the customer that veteran, that person, tell them their story. And so we've been. that's been like super, super uh, huge impact for us. So that's kind of the direction we're going. Um, we eventually would love to start a nonprofit of some sort, but like I said, not my strong suit. So until that person magically appears in my life that, you know, we're in the business, um, we'll wait on that. But it's just been really cool. Like for instance, a couple of weeks ago, it was a a 92 year old vet. Um, his house burnt to the ground guy almost died and we were able to partner up with a bunch of other people and individuals. And I think we donated, it wasn't too crazy. It was like, I don't know, two or $3,000, but out of everybody there, uh, he got like 150 grand to help rebuild a home. Um, So we get to directly see where that money's going. So that's really cool for us. Uh, This morning, we donated $1,000 to a vet in Tennessee who was just diagnosed with ALS. Um, And so that'll hopefully help with some medical expenses, you know, obviously, as they're not gonna be able to work anymore. So it's the little things here and there like that, um, that we think have been making the biggest difference.
2: No, that's awesome. That's awesome. I
1: I like that you go directly to the vet. And it
2: Probably helps so you don't have to go through vetting all these different organizations. Yep. Um, I know in the recent years there's probably been, and not any in particular that I can point out, but I do remember reading that they're kind of squandering their, squandering their donation money. So I think there's
1: a few out there that have been, it's good that you've been able to known for that. that. Yeah. 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 And like, we're super, I I mean, like I'm super sensitive to the fact that there's a lot of people out there being like, are they really doing what they're doing? Um, Right, Right. Like, overly freaks me out sometimes actually so like we just we just do the best we can is what we say you know
2: i think anytime you're doing something charitable you're probably going to get those yep. people
1: that are oh they're not really doing it you know. yeah but yeah but for the most part man we have the coolest customers and there's i mean if we have like an emergency uh donation maybe somebody was just diagnosed with something they have weeks to live and they need help i mean like it's not uncommon for us to be able to raise five or ten thousand dollars for an individual like in one email like that and so it's been really impactful wow that's awesome yeah
0: that's awesome for you. Uh, you know, obviously you didn't get here overnight, you know, and most brands don't just, uh, basically explode like you guys did. So what was some of the backstory to that? And some of the, um,
1: maybe not so good times, you know, so many people just tend to focus on the end result. Yeah. Well, it starts back like when I was a young, young kid, I had a good friend whose dad was uh, an entrepreneur owned a restaurant, um, a bunch of real estate properties, rental properties. And I didn't really have a dad growing up. So he kind of took me under his wing and I, I give him all the credit for like the way I think. Um, Like you said earlier, like majority of kids are taught to go to school, get good grades, do the four or six year university thing, go into tons of student loan debt Mm -hmm. and then hope they make it out on the other side. Um, He was the complete opposite. Uh, He was, you know, go to school, get good grades, but learn how to make money and then learn how to make your money work for you. And so like literally as a, a sixth grader, he's telling me, when you get older, you got to learn how to make money work for you. And somebody implementing that, like nailing that in my head every single day is what kind of started the whole process of like, there's a different, there's more than one way. Um, and so coming out of high school and starting the home service company, I mean, I ate ramen noodles and paid myself no money for gosh, two, three years at least. And even when the business was thriving, I was paying myself 500, 500 bucks a week, like just barely getting by. And people are like, why are you doing that? It's because I'd reinvest every dollar of profit I had back into the business to grow up more. And so, and that's what paid off. Like I I was just willing to sacrifice for as long as I had to. And even today, like I live so lean, it's not even funny. And it's because I've kind of conditioned myself. Like if you just postpone all the stuff right now and reinvest into the business it will pay off dividends later. And, you know, while all my buddies are out buying brand new boats and they're driving $50,000 cars and all this stuff, it's like, I just don't do that because, and and we'll see if I'm right, I guess. But I just believe that if I can just condition myself and, and keep living this way long enough that it will pay off and that stuff won't even be a thought anymore and I'll be able to do whatever I want. I think, both of us
0: are inclined to agree with that philosophy and we talk about this all the time. Yeah. I mean, the value that's a, of delayed gratification.
1: <laughs> it's a
2: new thing for me, but I'm all right. I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> right. No, uh, everybody is so concerned about having it right now that most people end up never having it
1: ever. Yeah. And, and, yeah it's just the... Yeah. The, pro- the problem is, is like everyone wants it right now because they think that's what's going to make them happy. But what they don't realize is like those things don't make you happy. What makes you happy is knowing who you are as an individual. It's it's the core things in life that make you happy. And so what actually happens is people get the nice boat, they get the nice car, and then they're actually more unhappy than they were before because now they, they've realized, oh, crap, like, I thought this was the answer. Now I don't even know what the answer is. Right. Um, I think if I've done anything well in life, it's gone the complete opposite way of, like, knowing from the day I started, like, doesn't matter how much money I ever make, like, that won't be... The cause of my happiness well i think you can get to a point where the things you own can end up owning you oh 100 percent.
0: and when those things are liabilities and not assets yeah. and they're not uh working for you and they're just appreciating that's not a really great strategy long term i mean right. it might, might be fun yeah until uh you know the boat needs a bunch of work or the the car depreciates to a point where it's not worth anything anymore yep But uh, not a great
1: long-term strategy. Yeah, the boat's fun until winter comes. Right. And you're still making the payment. (laughs) Right. Yeah. this internal conflict all the time with my (laughs) boat. Yeah. Yeah. I just sold mine like a year ago. Same thing. (laughs) But yeah. So, but that's huge. I think like if anyone were to say like what's one piece of business advice, it'd be like just sacrifice as long as you can. Live on as little as you can and reinvest everything you make back into the business until you can build it into something big.
2: Yeah, I, I see a lot of people spend a lot of money on all kinds of stupid shit. Yeah. And, you know, their work trucks are junk. Their tools are junk, and it's no bueno. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I I mean, I think that's the standard that you see. I, <laughs> I, I right. don't think that's unique. I think that's what you see more often than not. And, um, you know, what would some advice – um what would be the advice you would give to yourself? You know, not like uh, any of us can go back in time. Yeah. But, you know, all of us, I think you're having started an interesting time in the world. Um, you know, what would you tell
1: yourself back in 2008? I think the one thing I've learned is that you're, regardless of how much you think you have it figured out, like even six months or 12 months from now, your life will potentially look so much different than you thought it would. And so like I've been as much as a planner I am and like a goal setter, I'm like, you, you think you know what your your business is going to look like 12 months from now, but I've learned now through kind of all the things we've been through, like things just change Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and to be okay with that. Um, And so like sometimes it's easy to get down to yourself at the state that your business is in currently, but just understanding that if you put in the work and you do the right activities enough times consistently things will turn around your business will be completely different 12 months from now than it is right now and uh that's been a huge like eye-opener for me especially in brave american it's almost a it's it's like a joke in-house how much things change and because we've only been around for two and a half three years um yeah it's just been a a wild roller coaster
0: yeah no i think uh when you take that burn the ships mentality to the extreme and I, i Believe in that. I think it's awesome. Uh, you you have to have faith, yeah. in Yourself,
1: yeah. I mean, like we had a, a shop fire in December. Um, it shut most of our facility down. Like one of our machines that cuts eighty percent of our parts is gone. So now we have to sub that out to a different company during that time. But now we work with that company and other products, and it's like now those products are some of our most popular products. Like if the fire never happened, that would never even be a thing. And you're just like, you just got to trust the process that. Whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen as long as you're putting in the right, you know, activities and effort. Yeah, I, I
0: love that mentality. I wish I could say I stay on that track all the time. Sometimes I get knocked off it. Um, I, tr- I try to, but I think that's a, a great way to look at it. You know, there's always opportunities and, and the obstacles and uh, shitty things that take place. There's something to learn from it and yeah. how you can do it better next time. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to see, you know, when you're in the middle of the forest, but um, you get a little perspective and that most often
1: is the case. Yeah, 100%. And, And you just, you just learn like hard times used to stress me out so bad. I mean, they still do obviously, but like, I can at least talk myself down from that, that point of being like, Yeah, right now sucks really bad, but when things have sucked in the past, you always got past them. Mm -hmm. Like, what was the longest time something sucked? Okay, cool. That's probably the worst it could possibly be. And then, when it's over, you're gonna know what not to do. Yep. But in the moment, that can be a tough conversation to have and you know accept.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, having mentors is super important in that process, and having people you can look up to who've um, been there, done that a little bit. I know. I trained uh, 17 interns the other day to a yeah. class, and, you know, I'm looking at them, and I'm like, man, it doesn't feel like this was 15 years ago, but I guess it was. Yeah. And, um, you know, just hearing some of their questions, and um, it's funny. They're like, well, what happens if I run out of people to call, or what happens yeah. if, uh, you know, I don't have any appointments? And I'm like, these are things that you're going to be worried about forever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Anybody who's been here 15, 20 years, I mean, they're going to tell you the same thing. Yep. Uh, and it's just, uh, having that faith and putting one foot in front of the other. And it was kind of funny because, you know, I'm looking back and I mean, I think my first eight or nine appointments in a row canceled when yeah. I started my practice. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this sucks. Yeah. This <laughs> like, is really hard. You know, like how long can yeah. I do this for? Yeah. And, um, you know, what if I can't fill my calendar for next week? Yeah. And, I'm um, looking at this, um, you know, boardroom full of young folks going through the, the same thing. It's. Like, okay, wow, I guess you put one week into another week and it turns into a month, turns into a year, turns into yep. 15. But uh, uh, there were definitely some people who helped get me there along the way. And um, you mentioned, you know, the father figure you had yep. growing up. You know, what other resources or what other people have helped you?
1: I've always taken that? on that. Yeah, I've always taken on that mentality of just like, try to find somebody who's done what you're trying to do. And make a relationship with that person, and then go mimic what they're doing because they've already figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, unless you're inventing something that doesn't exist, like there's just really no reason to try to reinvent the wheel. And so, in every business I've ever owned, I've done that. My home service business. I had a mentor. Um, his name's Chuck Russell, and he sold a pest control business for over twenty million dollars. And um, the guy would go out to breakfast with me once a month, and you know, even if I try to pay, he'd pay for me, but he would just pour everything he had into me. And I, I took all that and I would implement it into my business and it would just start working. Right. And then I would scale that the same with the e-commerce brand. Like, okay, we're doing this thing. We've never done it before. Who is doing big things in the space? Go make friends with those people, go pick their brain, provide them some kind of value. So they're willing to help you in return. Um, you know, and, that's just been a huge thing for me. It's like find somebody who's done what you're trying to do and just mimic what they're doing and and put your own twist on it. Don't copy them, but uh, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel.
2: Right? Yeah, no. I I I agree with that 100%. Most people who are successful in their own craft are more than willing to help someone out. 100%. You know, yeah. Because if they're successful at it, there's no reason to be, you know, I guess intimidated or or feel you know,
1: like competition or something. Yeah. Usually, usually they help you out. And like you said, there's more than enough work out there for everybody. Yeah, there is right now. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, So it's like, and and the the reality is, it's like most people who are going into business are going to fail. Like if you look at the stats, it's just, it's asinine. So the chances of somebody actually doing what you teach them anyway is probably pretty rare. But, um, man, I will always do whatever I can to give back to people. You know, I don't know everything, but if I can teach somebody something that I know. Because there was a lot of people that did that for me.
2: Well, even if you're not teaching them how to do what you do, just, you know. In general. Yeah, right, in general. It's yep. helping out. Um, I think that's huge. I think that's huge. Yep. Um, so do you ever think about getting a brick-and-mortar store or supplying, you know, putting your products in some of the local stores or anything like uh, that?
1: So we, uh, we do some wholesaling um, where other people carry our products. Uh, we worked with Camping World for a minute. Oh, um, nice. but biggest problem with like the big guys like that is they just want so much, you know, right they up want. front <laughs> that there's no margin. left, <laughs> Right. And so right. Um, e-commerce, just the online space has just been really good for us. We've looked into uh, we had a buyer that was possibly interested in some of our stuff like in a TJ Maxx setting or home goods setting. But again, the margins are so slim. You're just like, gosh, it just feels like a race to the bottom. And for all mm-hmm. this, you know, it's always like a, a stress reward like table for me. It's like how much stress is it going to bring to my life versus what's, what's the reward it's going to bring. And at least at this point, it's just not there. Right. So, but no, I, I don't think I ever want a storefront store. No, no, no.
2: Well, you'd have to keep so much inventory.
1: Inventory. You know? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta have someone there every day talking to customers, specific hours. Um, it's just a different beast. Right. So, and I don't know where that, I don't know. I don't think storefronts going anywhere, but I don't think they're as good as they used to be. No, I would agree with that. Most people are
2: pretty socially inept, so
1: you can't even talk to them in a store. Right, yeah. I I don't know, like, the last time I went to, like, a shoe store to buy a pair of shoes.
2: Oh, I go to Red Wing Boots all the time. They're great.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah. But, yeah, most, I can't can't handle a Kroger.
0: Right, yeah. I stay out of there. Yep. So. Yeah, no, I think that makes two of us. (laughs) Might have to do that on the way home, though. I think I'm desperate. There's a mire. But, uh that's great no um speaking about uh learning about other people who've done things you're trying to do I'd love to hear you know some of your um advice on podcasting and uh yeah you know, I think <laughs> right yeah what know, can, what we, can should we do definitely have an episode I, I think we kicked it around having an episode in the future yeah. uh called how to how to not start a podcast sure Um, which includes like getting COVID like two, three times, rescheduling, rescheduling and canceling. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. How, how did that start for you? And I'd Uh, love to hear your advice.
1: Yeah. So I, I didn't really know anything about podcasting. You guys have a way more legit setup than I do. But, um, when I started, it was just like, how do I, basically, how do I talk to people at a mass level versus one-on-one phone calls? Like this, A conversation I would have with somebody on the phone, what if I just turned that into a podcast so, I don't know, 20 people could hear it. Um, and then that turned into, I mean, it's not like a ginormous podcast, but we get thousands of downloads and people from all over the country listen to it, and um, I think it's helped a lot of people. Uh, it also turned into a lot of sales for our marketing business when we were running that. So um, I just think you start. like, right. Like you get, I don't know. I got a decent microphone and I just started, I don't, I didn't have, I don't I still don't do video. Um, but I just paid on Fiverr for a cheesy intro and outro and I edited it in GarageBand and I just started talking and put it out there. And before you know it, you know, all these people start listening to it and then you kind of figure out how to talk on a microphone a little bit more successfully. And, um, <laughs> right. It just like anything, like you stay in front of a camera and you're never in front of a camera, you're going to suck. Right. S- same with a microphone. Like you, you start talking to a microphone and like you're in your basement by yourself and it just then you listen to it, and you're like, what am I doing? But the more times you do it, I don't know, we have hundred some episodes I think by now, uh, it just gets a little easier and hopefully you get your point across a little better. But I don't think it's like rocket science. You just do it.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that's kind of what we subscribe to was yeah. okay, we're gonna have to start and this might be a little painful. Yeah. And, you know, the first draft of anything is going to be shit. Yeah. You know, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, we've started to improve, but, uh, yeah, it was just a, a matter of, okay, if we never start, then we're never going to start. Right. So,
2: well, know. I've made it to the point where I'm actually talking into the mic now versus like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So instead of talking like this, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually up on it now. Yeah. So that's good.
0: Uh, perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I loved your, your last episode actually um, talking about uh, the recession and, um, you know, a, a potential for a recession. And, you know, what other topics or what are you guys typically tried to trying to focus on? Yeah, you know, I, I know it's the Service Industry Podcast, but, you know, what is, what's your goal really?
1: Yeah, I mean, in that podcast, I don't really talk about, like, service-related, like, the actual work itself ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in any business, like... If you're a lawn care guy, the least important thing is knowing how to cut the lawn. It's, it's knowing everything else about the business is knowing how to go and find a customer that is willing to pay you. It's knowing how to do your books. It's knowing how to market your business. It's all that kind of stuff. Like at the end of the day, anybody can cut a, cut a yard, but how do I, how do I make my lawn care business feel so valuable that Mrs. Jones is willing to pay me $45 a lawn versus the hack guy who doesn't know anything and he's charging 25. Like why would someone be willing to pay me more than him? And it's all perceived value and learning how to position your company in a way where, where people see that you're just, you're different, right? Mm-hmm. Like you come to the house, it's uh, and, and not to get like, it's just an example, but like you come to the house, you're in a professional uniform, your truck's lettered, it's a clean truck. It doesn't look like it just came, you know, I bought it for a thousand bucks on Craigslist. The estimate sheet you give her is super nice and clean and, and detailed and and when she calls your office, somebody actually answers the phone. Um, all those little things that kind of create perceived value inside of a business allow people to charge more and thrive. And those are the guys that are winning long term. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the kind of stuff we talk about. We just we just talk about how to how to grow a real business and, and do it the right way and um, grow a big business. That's awesome. I, I mean,
0: I've enjoyed it so far. I just started listening to it. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. And you yeah, haven't really ever talked to you a whole lot before, but, yep. um, tend to agree with a lot of the things I've heard you say on there. And, um, just, uh, again, back to the law of contrary public opinion and trying to find the good and the bad, um, I think is something we have in common. Um, along those lines, you know, I know when it comes to any business, you're going to get good reviews, bad reviews. Yeah. You know, what are, what are some of the, the good or bad reviews or or funny reviews you, you may have had.
1: Yeah. We all in Brave American, we always talk about this. We're like, dude, we should post, like we should print these off and and stick them on the wall. But when we had our fire and this is like totally our fault kind of, I guess. But when we had our fire, we got like six weeks behind on orders. So like, imagine ordering something off a store online and not showing up to your door for six weeks. Like you're about to kill somebody. And, (laughs) and so, (laughs) so we had like thousands of these orders, Christmas time, of course. And, some of the reviews, oh gosh! But the, the best part is, is like when people get our products, they are legit, super, super nice. Mm-hmm. And then the veterans sign the back of every product they make, and they get a nice postcard telling the story of the business. And like, I would say ninety eight percent of the time, regardless, of like how pissed off somebody was throughout the process, they get the product and they email us and they're like, "Hey, like I'm super sorry." And so, <laughs> and so it's like, uh, I mean, it, it works for us sometimes. Like when we drop the ball or we screw something up, like the guys cover our back a little bit like that. But yeah, I mean, it's just any business. The the thing is though, you just like, can't take it too personal because unless you've like, like that's a good example of like, we actually, people had a legit reason be pissed off at us, but I mean, we'll get reviews. Sometimes we'll ship something out next day and, and someone will say it didn't come fast enough. It's like, well dude, that guy's just never going to be happy. And not only is he not going to be happy with whoever he buys from, like the guy's miserable in life period. So like, I just kind of go by the, the mantra of like miserable people like to make other people miserable. And so just don't, I don't know. I just don't let it get to me. For sure. But if I screw up, like, I'll own it. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Which, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, no, um, I
0: think it's funny to, or you know, look back on those reviews and uh, be able to laugh at them, right? It might yeah. not be funny in the moment, but uh, it is eventually when you get a, a bunch of perspective. Yeah. So I think we've all been there if you've been in business long enough. Yeah, it's not very fun. I know Nick was pretty pissed <laughs>
2: off
1: when his holster took what
0: like three months to get here.
2: Yes. Yes, it did. Not yeah. from you guys.
1: Yeah, that would have been us. That would have been <laughs> us like last Christmas. <laughs> You'd be like, dude, I bought a flag, like I get their handmade by six weeks. You're like, yeah, I, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. It happens. I'll refund you if you want. Oh, I don't want to refund, I just want my product. All right. Just hang tight. Right, well, hang tight. Just goose yeah, yeah. It's just coming. Down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So and what else? Um uh, would you like people to know about you and what you've got going on?
1: I'm a pretty quiet guy, honestly. Um, honestly, if, if, like, anything, I just want people to be, like, encouraged. Like, I, I just hope, like, people can. I wish there was something I could do with kids in high school that I could, like, re. you know, take the kid that was me that, like, struggled in school. Like, I wasn't the popular kid, but I also wasn't the kid sitting in a corner. But, like, I got made fun of for getting bad grades. Like, you know, whatever the case is being able to take that kid and be like, Hey, the way you're thinking is like completely normal. And there's more than one way to life. Like I think all these parents giving kids advice right now of like, go to school, get good grades, go to college. Like most of those people, most of those parents don't even have life figured out. So like just really taking like an audit of who is in my circle. Like what does my, and this will be controversial, but like, what does my mom and dad look like? Like, are they somebody I want to mimic? Is that, do they live a life that I want to live? Like if the answer is no, like it's okay to, to not take advice from that person necessarily and find somebody that you do want to mimic life around. You know, like that person was that guy I said earlier, who was an entrepreneur and taught me things growing up. Like I saw the way that guy lived. And then I saw the way my dad lived. I'm like, well, this guy's got it way better than my dad does. So like, he's obviously doing something right. So I'm going to listen to this guy versus him. And you know, it doesn't mean you don't love your parents or whatever. Like I, I love my parents, but, um, You know, there's just a lot of things that I I felt I wanted to do different than them. Mm -hmm. And I just wish that message would, like, be more popular.
2: Yeah. There's not just your parents. I think most people in general, like, I've had dozens of people tell me, well, you should do this, and you should do that, and you need to do this. And I'm looking like, really? Yeah. You're not doing trying to do anything even near what me and my team are trying to do, you know, just.
1: Yeah, it's like. Be quiet. You want it. And it's like the classic, like teacher thing. Like teachers are awesome. Like we have to have teachers, but like, like I expect a teacher who makes 40, 50, 60 grand a year to teach me how to make money. It makes no sense. Like they've never done it. Like that person doesn't really know how to make money. So why, why don't we put somebody in there who does to teach these kids? Like, I don't know. It's just a, it's an ongoing internal battle, but I wish there was a, a middle of the road message. Like, Hey, there's more than one route. Um, you know, just because a kid doesn't want to go to college doesn't mean he's lazy. doesn't mean he's a bum. Um, and to be honest, like in the e-commerce space now we have a bunch of friends, you know, guys doing 50, hundred million dollars a year and dude, none of those guys went to college. And so it's just a, it's a, it's a battle I, I go through, but if there was one thing I wish people could be encouraged by the story of like, I sucked in school and I figured it out and I did what made me happy and it was the right path for me. That's the only way to be good
2: at anything is if it makes you happy. Yep. If you don't enjoy it, you're going to suck. Right.
1: You know, or your life's going to suck. Or both. Yeah. Yeah. Or or, or, (laughs) or both. Yeah. Yeah, No doubt.
0: Well, we've appreciated you coming on today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, Where can our listeners connect with you?
1: Oh, geez. If they want to check out Brave American, you can just go to braveamerican.com. We're all over social media too. Instagram, Facebook. Um, You'll see me doing a bunch of goofy videos and stuff on there. And if you guys want to check out the podcast, it's just the service industry podcast, and uh, that's just mainly around people that are offering home service-based services to people. So, but you'll probably get some good general business information on there as well. Absolutely appreciate it, and we'll make sure to have all those links in the show notes
0: and from you. And thanks for coming on. Thanks, Thanks, man. Thanks everybody for
1: tuning in. Appreciate it.